This morning I was uh, coming out of the kitchen and Linda and I were talking to each other. And I said to her, you know, the reason why I said that, honey, and I don't even remember what it was I said, but I said, you know, I said that because I'm a deep pragmatist, a realist at the very core of my being. And uh, she didn't laugh, <laughs> but she uh, turned around with a look on her face and she said, there is no one who knows you, James, who would ever believe that you are a pragmatist or a realist. There are a lot of things they would believe about you, but neither one of those terms fits you. Of course, I was deeply, deeply offended and stomped off into my work. I didn't, actually, because I was actually being facetious when I said how pragmatic and realistic I am, because I you know, I'm the proverbial guy who would go into the barn, you know, because it was filled with poop and be convinced there must be a pony for me in there somewhere. You know, the eternal optimist, the one who sees hopefully the best in things, sometimes when it's very hard to see. Um, and sometimes it is a challenge. I will tell you from a personal place, um, as I work with the text every week and try to bring a word in the midst of this world in which we live with the pandemic and the deep, deep divisions that we feel between people um, where, you know, the, the, the sides are so, the lines are drawn and uh, people have, you know, hard lines uh, that uh, they seem unwilling to break down, conversations people are unwilling to have, members of family you can't even talk to anymore. Sometimes because you just can't seem to get past the issues before you. And so it's hard sometimes in the midst of a season of expectation, anticipation, hope, because, yeah, let's be honest, Advent seems a little weird to us because what are we anticipating? The birth of a baby? Because we already know that happened. <laughs> you know, that was like, uh, you know, come on, James, that was like 2030 years, 2020 years ago. Although we, we're starting to think that they didn't count the years right, so Jesus might have been four years before himself. He might have been born 4 BC instead of zero. So, uh, you know, Jesus, 4 BC, before Christ. Uh, but, you know, there you go. It doesn't, it doesn't really, does it really matter? We know the baby is going to be born. But the church has always had this season because we anticipate, expect, hope for, dream of a world where the reality of the birth of Christ makes a difference. We dream of a world and imagine a world, and if you're the idealist optimist like I am, you can almost see it sometimes. You can almost see it. I've told the story many times before, but when we used to be in the old building, and that was a long time ago, uh, in the old building early on, we had two other congregations that shared our building with us. Um, a Spanish-speaking Latino congregation, uh, and we had a, a congregation from Sierra Leone, St. Peter's Healing Church. And on World Communion Sunday, which is the first Sunday in October one year, 
I asked the other pastors, what, what would you think if we all worshiped together in, you know, and, and had communion together? And everybody thought that was a great idea. So we did. And it was a real push for some of the people in my congregation because there was Spanish spoken in our worship experience and English too. And this beautiful Sierra Leonean accent that came from Pastor Walters, such a beautiful, kind, and gentle man. Um, and, and then we had communion. And in those days, we all kneeled at communion rails. And all the way around me, the kingdom of God was. There were men and women and children. There were people of African descent, Central American descent, European descent, all gathered around this table sharing communion the, the way God pictures it. The way that the ultimate heavenly banquet, whatever that looks like, will be. Where all will be welcomed at the same table. And we'll all share from the bounty of all that is. And, but sometimes, Sometimes the challenge is we stand in a time where it's very hard to see that. It's very, very hard to see that. Now, it was in the midst of such a time that this passage from Isaiah comes. I'm reading to you today from Isaiah chapter 61. And you need to understand this chapter was written before the Israelites had left exile and headed back to uh, the promised land. Before they could go back, this is written. And uh, you can understand why in, you know, about two chapters later, you've got some complaints from the Israelites like, hey, didn't you say just a couple of chapters ago some really good stuff? Where is it? Where is it? So without further ado, Isaiah 61, beginning with verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display God's glory. Well, you can imagine this sounds really good. In fact, this sounds so good, not only is it good to the prophet who's writing this little piece down and proclaiming it, Jesus preached it as his first sermon in Nazareth in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. Look at it. They hand him the prophet Isaiah, you know, the scroll. He unrolls it and he reads this passage. And after he reads the passage... He says to them, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
And of course, there are people in the crowd and they say, hey, isn't this Mary and Joseph's boy? Who does he think he is? What's he doing? <laughs> Fulfilled in our... Because guess what? Immediately following Jesus preaching uh, this in Luke chapter 4, the Romans didn't pick up and move out of town. There was still oppression. People were still mourning. People were still brokenhearted. What the heck? How can you proclaim it and say it's fulfilled today? And it's not. How do we keep proclaiming good news in the face of bad? And let's be facing it. There's a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad news. We hit a new milestone this week, only it wasn't a good one. More than 3,000 people died from COVID-19 in the United States one day this week. New record. Only it's not a good one. It's a bad one. In the face of that, how is this third Sunday in Advent joy? How can I proclaim to you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me? That he's anointed me to bring you good news. It doesn't feel always like good news. Is it an escapist? Punch your ticket for heaven kind of? Don't worry about how bad it is here. We're going to take, take the roller coaster to heaven, baby. Because I don't think Jesus was talking about the next life. Jesus was proclaiming and he said it's been fulfilled here, now, where you are. So I'm looking around. I don't know, are you looking around? Or if you're in your living room, dining room, Starbucks, wherever you are, look around. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Has it been fulfilled in your hearing today? What is the good news that Isaiah wants us to see? What is it that we can do to make the good news real? Now see, that's the question. After spending the entire week with this text, I said, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm changing text. You know, call, this is always, this is always something, you know, uh, James and Megan are getting ready to go on a little trip. And so I, it's always nice, like on the Saturday before Sunday morning, if I call them up and say, so James, I've changed the entire topic of tomorrow morning's uh, scripture uh, and uh, the whole direction. Really? Okay, thanks, James. You're welcome, James. Bye. You know, and, and then suddenly we've got to make a humongous change. Uh, so sometimes, and this is what, what is great about Scripture sometimes, you sit with something and you can't see it. You struggle with it. And sometimes in the midst of the struggle, that's when the best questions come up. That's when God, you know, kind of works with you a little bit and you say, what are you going to do about this good news that you are meant to proclaim? How are you going to bind up the hearts of the brokenhearted? How will they look at us and call us the oaks of righteousness? How will they look at us and call us the plantings of the Lord? Especially when we argue about little petty things in the world. What would it look like if you and I really took it seriously to bind up one another's wounds? 
to comfort one another in the midst of mourning. Every time we argue about COVID-19, we overlook people who have lost loved ones to that horrible virus. Yeah, I'm an optimist. I'm an idealist. I'd like to look the other way. I'd like to imagine this invisible enemy isn't around anywhere. Oh, I can do whatever I want to do. But how then do I look in the face of others in this world who are mourning? Yesterday, I was talking to my parents on the phone because that's really all I get to do anymore is talk to them on the phone. I can't really go and see them because of safety reasons. They're in that age range, I won't mention their ages, 86 and 92, that, uh, you know, they don't need COVID-19. I'll hear about this later on, by the way. Uh, they don't need it. And yesterday, I knew how seriously they took it because we had offered, uh, Linda and I, for the last two or three years, for my parents, have taken them on a to, to Nags Head over the wintertime, just for two or three days, rented a condo there, um, and you know, looked at the ocean waves, gone out for seafood at night, had some good times together. And we said to them, we could still do that, but we'd just have to be safe. Linda and I'd have to go out and bring the food back, we'd have to stay locked up. Uh, and we wouldn't be able to go shop at Belk, mom's favorite place to shop and uh, all those kinds of things. We wouldn't be able to sit in the restaurant and eat. We'd have to decide, order, and bring it back home. And yesterday they delivered the real message, which was, we don't think we're gonna want to do that this year. We think it's, we're gonna forego this. It's one of the things they look forward to, we look forward to. In the midst of this, realism just keeps popping up. The way the world is just keeps popping up. So how do we bind one another's wounds? How do we hold each other up in the midst of mourning? I want to tell you that uh, you all choked me up just a little bit this past week, many of you. Last week, when at the end of our uh, worship experience, when Linda was doing a send out, she shared some struggles that she was having. A number of you from St. James reached out to her, including I was on a call on Monday night and she got a call from Patty Malhoyt, who just wanted to check and see how Linda was doing. Patty, who is still recovering from having, you know, an amputation, um, called to check on my wife. And I knew in those moments that that is the answer to the question. How do we proclaim good news when bad things are happening all around us? We hold each other's hands. We reach out to one another. We pray for one another. We do what we can for one another. We are the good news in this world. And we don't ever show it when we argue about all these kinds of petty things. Who cares about theology? If you don't have love, theology is pointless. You could throw away the vast writings 
of all these theologians over the centuries talking about who God is. Because if you don't have love, it is empty, pointless. You're just a noisemaker. 1 Corinthians 13, by the way. You're just a noisemaker, a gong, pointless. We need to be good news. And it's hard to be good news when you feel put down by the bad news. It's hard to get up for that. What's going to go wrong tomorrow? <laughs> you, know, you begin to kind of picture, you know, this ever, you know, inevitable train wreck <laughs> that's going to happen. As several of my friends like to call it, the dumpster fire that is 2020. <laughs> and the thing just won't go out. <laughs> How do you proclaim good news then? Well, somewhere deep inside, you, you live with the paradox that Thomas Merton talked about in his writing. You live with the paradox that somehow heaven may be a place we go to somewhere down the road. But Jesus said, it's among us. It's within us. It's close at hand. It's coming. I mean, it, if it's all of those things, how are we living into heaven now? Patty Malhoit restored my faith in humanity last, I don't even know what night of the week. It must have been Tuesday night. It was Monday night? Who was I talking to on Monday night? Oh, I was talking to Megan and Tim. That's what I was talking to. Uh, I knew I was talking to someone. But in that moment, I was just reminded that among us, all of us with our feet of clay who trip and fall and don't get where we're going sometimes and forget where we're going, how many of us go into the kitchen six times to get something and we can't remember what it is when we're there, so we leave, we remember, we leave, we remember, we leave? What seems like swimming around in circles is really the opportunity to reach out a hand. To reach out a hand to one another. To bind up. I mean, li listen to those things. Good news. We've been sent. The prophet said he'd been sent. Jesus said he'd, be, he'd, been, he'd been sent in Isaiah, in Luke. But in John, Jesus says, you're going to do bigger things than I do. You've seen me do some cool stuff? You're going to be cooler. He was imagining how much love we would share, how many bridges we would build. That's what he was imagining for us. Maybe he foresaw in the, in, the, in the first century a place like St. James, a call like Patty's to Linda, or the way you call each other or look out for one another in this world, the way Jerry and Aline dropped everything and went and stayed with Jordy. In, in, in Jake, not, that's right, let's get it right, they have two J sons. It's, 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 uh, it, it, it's very easy for me. Went and stayed with Jake in Canada because 
Initially, he needed them because he needed them. You could say, sure, they're his parents. Yeah, but they're fellow human beings. And they stood together. People of faith. People of faith. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all those who mourn. I don't know that we're ever going to be able to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the Jubilee year. The Jubilee year is when all debts are forgiven and all ancestral lands are returned to the people to whom they belonged. <laughs> that, that's what Jubilee is. I don't think any of us are getting ready to move off of our lands to give back the lands to the native peoples who were here before us. But, you know, maybe it's something we ought to strive toward. I don't know. That's what Isaiah proclaims. You can be a part of proclaiming it. You might be one of the people who needs to hear it right now. You might be one of the people who's mourning and brokenhearted. You might be. And you need one of us to reach out to you. And maybe we don't know you need reaching out. So we might need for you to tell us. I can tell you that good news happens every Monday night about 150 feet from here. Every Monday night from 5 to 6.30, the hungry are fed because of you. I can tell you that happens. Can you be the good news? And I think the answer is realistically and pragmatically, yes. Even though I'm not either one of those things, ask my wife. Realistically and pragmatically, we are called to be the body of Christ in this world right now. And as bad as it may look, you and I can comfort the mourning, can bind up the brokenhearted, can proclaim good news. You are not alone. You are loved. You are infinitely precious, not only to God, but to us. And we're thankful for you. We're thankful for you. So, how will you be the good news this week? Who will you reach out to? And if you need good news, if you need someone to bind you up, who will you reach out to? Because we need one another. In this paradoxical, crazy world in which we live, we need one another. On God's behalf, I ask you, be good news. Be good news.